0: bring them out bring them out bring them out bring them out ladies and gentlemen get ready for bring them out with your hosts joel richardson and alan hill Everybody, we're here at the Sunnybrook Ballroom inside the Speakeasy for another episode of Bring 'Em Out. I'm Alan Hill here with Soul Joel himself, Joel Richardson. Today we have an incredibly exciting
1: guest, Mr. Tony Luke Jr. Thank you for coming to. Oh man, it's great to be here, buddy. Look at this, long overdue. <laughs> I'm in the middle. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I could get beat up here. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take up the nail. In <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: my chest.
1: No, it's really. Um, when when you had called to say you would like to do this, I was I was so elated because normally on on any podcast I do, it can get real heavy and sometimes with the mental health and the addiction stuff. But you know, when you called and said, "Hey, man, let's let's talk a little bit about the music as well," oh, I was elated because most people never equate me with music like you know it's always cheesesteaks or addiction recovery you know mental health but never music so to be asked to come on you know to talk a little bit about music was i was like the angels were, <laughs> were singing to me i was so happy but that's
2: like how i know you and i mean you could tell we were uh talking off camera for dinner that's when your passion comes out that's when you come alive
1: i mean music is my Look, I love acting, and I mean I love the cheese. I mean, obviously, I love food because, and I think <laughs> we all do. Yeah, everybody has said that they love food. Yes, I <laughs> and I think that what I loved about food, which most people don't look at it that way, it's I'm a musician, literally before I'm anything else, and and acting I love doing. You know what I mean? I don't actively go after it. Every time I get a role, it's because I've worked with an actor, director, producer, and they think I'm right for the role and I, and I go up and do it. But food, if you really break down food, food is a creative thing. It's not, it's not like, you know, I could be creative with food and different menu items and, you know, there's a, so much creativity in the food industry. So yeah, I was attracted, besides the fact that I love to eat, I was attracted to the creative side of food. And that, for me, was amazing. But the difference, the biggest difference, sadly, (laughs) is that you can be an incredible musician. You can be an incredible songwriter. You can be an incredible actor. You're never judged on the quality of your music. You're not even judged on the ability of the music to write. Or the, the the chops that you have as an actor to find a role. It's, well, yeah, you're a tremendous actor, but you don't look the part. You don't fit this. Or, yes, you're an incredible songwriter, but you're too old or you're too heavy. or You're not right. And you're not the trend. So it doesn't have any value. It, it doesn't. It becomes completely devalued by what the standards of the industry are that you're in, where food doesn't (laughs) fall under that. If something tastes delicious, it tastes delicious, and people want to come back, and they want to go. They don't care what you look like. They don't care how old you are. All they care about is, hey, man, I went there, I had a great sandwich or a great dinner, a great pizza, it was phenomenal, I'm coming back, I'm coming, you become a rock star. It's like, oh my God, it's great, it's wonderful. But then, the same creativity is completely dismissed in the other two venues, which is so sad to me. It's crazy.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, us musicians know how good you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just... I. When we were speaking, and when I found out what an incredible musician he is, I'm like, "Now you're, I'm gonna bug you to, like, you're done now. <laughs> it's like, whatever you do, don't give me your information. <laughs> Even if I beg for it, don't give <laughs> it to God, me. God, Tony <laughs>
2: will stop calling. Oh my God, <laughs> you come here to lay a
1: bass line. You come here to do this guitar part. You drive yourself fully in my studio. Jesus, look." <laughs> You're talking like dream stuff for
0: me. That's good. That's, that's, that's like what I try and live my life by. Right there. I love you, it. You,
1: I think you, as a musician, the hardest thing that a musician and a songwriter has to come to terms with, and it is a difficult thing, you, what you do with comedy and with you do, with your band, it feels good when someone comes and they go, oh, oh, soul Joel? Joel, you know, like, I know Joel. Like, man, his shows are like, You gotta go, you gotta see what he did. And every comedian that gets on stage, they want their talent to be seen and they want it to be appreciated. With music, as an artist, and as a songwriter, you in order for you to ever be remotely happy, you have to come with the term to the term that you have to make music for you. That's the gift has to be enough because you'll the odds of you receiving the recognition and the accolades and the affirmation for what you do is almost non-existent. So it has to be enough that someone comes to you and goes, hey, by the way, I listened to your track yesterday and it so deeply affected me, or I listened to that and we played it at a party and everyone had such a great time. You have to come to terms with if one person it reaches that has to be enough because if you're chasing the million two million streams the the concerts of 10,000 people it has nothing where's the camera which camera is my camera okay (laughs) reaching that level has absolutely nothing to do with talent nothing zero zero accurate so I tell people if you're a musician keep playing keep doing what you're doing and leave a legacy behind of the story that you want to tell through writing or playing because the gold brass the gold ring that you're looking for the brass ring that you want to reach isn't in your control you don't control that the industry does And the truth is in 2023, and I'm literally quoting Nicki Minaj. I mean, I'm gonna give credit to where it came. When you listen to music today, you do not hear talented people. You hear popular people. There's a huge difference. And unfortunately, that's where we are. They won't, record companies don't listen to your music. They don't wanna hear, they wanna see how many followers you have what do you look like, what kind of swag can you sell, can you fill a concert because you're sexy enough or good looking enough or different enough that it'll work, they don't look at your body of work, they look at how many followers you have, how many engagements, and then even now it's not even a matter of, well, I've got 2 million you know, followers, it's like, well, you put up a post and you only got 3,000 likes with 2 million, so... Even though you got 2 million followers, there's no engagement there. So now they're looking at it. So it doesn't matter. I could literally go, you know, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Little, and you can laugh at it. But if I've got 5 million followers and I've got 70% engagement, you won't be able to turn on a streaming service or the radio and not hear Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. <laughs> it's true Is that the Tony Little Jr. remix? Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Mary and her lamb. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm frustrated Amen. and I I, I sometimes Good. I release it by ranting. Yeah. And I'm and I apologize. I'm ranting. And in my rant I'm basically saying to every musician that is listening to this podcast, yes, you have value. Yes, your music means something. But if you don't learn to know and feel in your heart that just the gift that you have been given to be able to play music or write music—if that isn't enough, you will live a tortured life. Big time. Yeah. Don't don't put your dreams in the hands of somebody else. Yeah.
0: Do it because you love it. Yeah. You know. I realized I'm a, I'm a lead guitar player basically. That's my best dream. You know what I mean? And uh, I realized that in about 40, I was like, I'm just going to be the best guitar player I can be. You know, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? If something falls in my lap, let's roll. Yeah. It's a wall though. It's like oh, it took a long it's a time hard running. pill to swallow. <laughs> it is, yeah, it took a long time. Because
1: everyone wants affirmation. Like everyone wants to know that people appreciate what they do and it's it's brutal. And then when you listen to what is popular and you listen to what what is out there and then but I, I will tell you this though, I do believe that the trend is shifting. I, I really do believe that People are getting tired of the same loops and the same, you know, uh, I don't even know how to put it, like just the, the same lyrics and the same storylines and the same, you know, all of this. And I'm not, I'm, and I'm talking about all genres of music. I'm not picking any genre out particular. I've heard the same thing in every different genre of music. You know, like it's, it's, it's not like it's connected with one genre, It's like every genre is is stale anymore. And the great music, the music that you listen to, go, oh my God, doesn't get picked up on the algorithm. And if you don't know that it's there, you can't find it on Spotify. You can't find it on, it's buried. And some of these people have 80 monthly listeners, two. And I'm listening to music going, "How, how could this be? Like how does the world not know more Of who these people are. Well, if you're not great on social media and you're not doing what everything changes every other minute, no one gets to hear it. So you have to be okay with you just knowing you're putting out good work. Exactly, yeah. And like you said, it does take some time to get there. (laughs) But I don't think I'm still
0: there. We're going to
1: fast
2: forward and then loop around because uh, season two of Grave's End. Grave's End comes out.
1: It's
0: out. It's
2: out. Yeah,
0: very excited.
2: So, but a lot happens here. A lot does happen. How, how it ties back in to
1: music? To music. So you know what I'm saying? Yes. So the I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the water.
2: <laughs> uh, you do what you want.
1: Cut, edit, stick, push. Yeah. Uh, we'll um, <laughs> edit this in post. We'll edit it. Yeah right. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. He's the first yeah. person to say that. Yeah, I've heard, so right. heard that before. Yeah. Oh,
2: don't worry about it, Tony. We'll add book. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. South Philly, I'm like, you know. Let me hold my breath. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are full of this. Smart man. <laughs> um, so, I wasn't in Grey's Anatomy season one. So William DeMeo, God bless his soul. William was a, a big fan of the nail and you know the nail was a passion a project of mine it took me five years to raise the money to do the nail and i'm very proud of that film it's a so small good. independent it's in every language now to be it's funny because i have my girl hysterical she's like i'm like babe, i learned how to speak fluent spanish she's like when i'm like three days ago she's like no one can learn Spanish. I'm, like, I'm telling you, you. want me to prove it to you. And I went on Tubi because there's the English version and the Spanish version <laughs> of the nail. And I played. I'm like, they I'm like, Jose, what are you? Like, you know? And they overdubbed it, and it's hilarious. And it's so it's so incredible that that movie still has legs today. It was incredibly successful. It, you know I, I wore almost every hat. I wrote the story on that film. Uh, Skip Denenberg who's a brilliant musician and songwriter wrote most of the songs and then he wrote he had a, that great song in the movie he wrote Coach well Skip wrote that oh I, I didn't know that Okay, I Where didn't you write that me, right? I sang it, okay, okay, Skip Denenberg wrote that and he wrote the other music a lot of the other music that was in there yeah. he wrote and they were great songs so Will Williams said hey man could you come in on season one and you know I'd like to get you as one of the crew for the New York guys. I'm like, Yeah, no. And he's like, What do you mean? I'm like, I cannot do a New York accent. He's like, What do you mean? I'm like, I can't, I'll butcher it. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna work. He's like, Well, I really want you in the series. I'm like, Well, I don't I mean, I, I appreciate it and I love the fact that you want me in it, but I'm going to butcher it. I'll never get it. All you're doing is being honest. Yeah. I'm horrible with dialects. I'm horrible with dialects. (laughs) I know, you know, I know my lane. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I'm not good at dialects, unless it's South Philly. So, (laughs) or Italian, like I can do an Italian dialect, but not a New York Italian dialect. So I don't hear from season one comes out. COVID hits. Um, nobody goes anywhere. Uh, um, Graves' uh, End takes off. Everyone loves the first season. They do season two. Keeping his word. He calls me like, hey man. He's like, I uh, want to get you in season two. And I'm like, William, I told you, mm, season two <laughs> is about the New York and the Philly mob. And you're going to work with you know Armand DeSante and the Philly mob. Sweet. And I'm like, okay. And I got to reunite with William Forsythe, who is oh. like a brother to me, like so literally, in like area. a I mean, brother. He was great in everything, but in yeah, the it was, was amazing, good. and that was incredible. Leo Rossi, who's in the, Leo's name, the man. is in Gravesend. Is like fa- Leo's family. No kidding. To me. Oh yeah, and he's so good, man. Oh, we talk every single day. Oh yeah, so wow. he's just a great. He's family. I don't even consider him. You know, he's not even a friend. William is family to me. So. Here it is, and I'm like, this is great, and and William Forsythe, and William DeMayo brought me in, and he said, look, we just need to introduce you, because we got a whole thing going for season three, but I need to plant the seed, without giving anything away, which right. I can't, I need to plant the seed in season two for your character and what's going to happen in season three. I'm like, hey, I'm just grateful you know, to be in it. Like, you know, I'm always, I don't ever think anything is owed to me. Like, I'm, everything about me as I got older was gratitude. Like, I'm grateful for everything. Because I know I could have nothing. So, we got done and we were shooting. I was like, you know, William, I'd like to maybe try to submit some music. And he's like, ah! And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I am, you know, I'm a songwriter and you know, a musician, and I would very much like to. And you know, it's the same thing. It's like, well, I, I know you're an actor, and I know you do cheesesteaks, but, mm. and I'm like, well, would you be open for me to just submit something? How and much like, talent can one man have? <laughs> so, stop. <it's the> <laughs> stop. <laughs> um. So I submit one more night. And he calls me about two days later and he said, that is one of the most beautiful songs I have ever heard. And there is an, an ending scene in episode two where this song would just be like, "I." it has to be in the film. And I said, well, I, I'm really glad that you liked it. And I let it go. And then he said, hey, can you write a song that would would have been a hit in like 1987. I'm like, well, that's kind of my entire genre. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, house. that's my total, it's like total wheelhouse. And I write this track called Lies. And I sent it to him and he calls me back and he goes, oh my God, he goes, that song is gonna be the end credits of episode one. So cool. Like, cause that's the prime, I mean, other than getting the theme song right. for the series, the end credit is like, that's, Same. that is the main, the only thing better than an end credit track is when they use your song and the actors are singing it in the series, oh. that's the top like money, play, like right. that's the, 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 A spot because now they're not only using your song, but they're singing it like if they're at a bar and it's yeah, playing and yeah. they are singing, that's like, woo. That, but the end credit is so. Then he calls me and he goes, "Listen, do you think you can write a song that would be the culmination of all of the episodes to be the closing credit song for the season, the season ending song finale?" Yeah,
2: finale. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, okay. And and I'm literally I don't remember the day, but like say he called me on a Monday, and I'm like, okay. I'm like yeah, let me work on it. I'm like, you know, when do you, you know, when do you need? He's like, you know, Friday. And I'm like, next month? Like, what? He's like, no, Friday. (laughs) Friday. I got, you you want me to write a song, go in the studio, cut the song, get a vocalist to do it because it's got to kind of be, I hear it as a rock song and I don't do rock music. Like, I don't have the vocal for that. I don't have the range for that. So now I got to find a singer, and then I got to record it. Find a vocalist, do the background, lay all the parts out, then do the mix, then master it. And it's uh, I, I, I can't in a hundred hours. I'm like I can't do it. I said I can you give me till Wednesday or Thursday. That's what I said. Then. Wednesday or Thursday of next week because you're really cutting it. Like I'm I'm, I'm editing now. Like I got to. I got to lock it in with Amazon. I got to lock the show, and I'm saying just get. it. So now I call up a, a, a really good friend of mine who went to a high school not with me. He graduated a, uh, after me. Uh, I, I, gra- I was the first graduating class from Creative and Performing Arts. Canada. So he was. I think he was. He graduated in '84. I think. I think '84, '85. I graduated in '8. So, but he has a great voice for it. And I said, listen, let me send you a song. There's just a demo. If you don't love it, I'll... he goes, no, I love the track. I want to do it. It's a matter. So we get it all done. And I can't get in the studio until Wednesday to cut the main vocal. I'm like, I, I'm going to mix it. I got to get it pitch swat, Everything." So I called William, can you give me until Friday? He's like, Tony, Friday in the morning. And I'm like, 8 a.m. in the morning, the, you, will, you will get it. I will send it. And we mixed it. I did the best I could, and I sent it to him. And then he's like, he loved it. And he's like, I love it. It's, it, it works. It's perfectly, um, works perfect. I'm listening to this song. And I'm like, the vocal's not in the pocket. Oh, boy. The vocal's not in the pocket. It's dragging. It's dragging. It's dragging. And I already sent it in. Like it's it's it, the vocals dry. It's not his fault.
2: Oh, you're a maniac. You're listening to it afterwards. Yeah, like <laughs>
1: I already sent it, and That's I'm like, not I'm not uh, uh, uh. <laughs> So now, so now, so now. <laughs> teacher goes pens and papers now,
2: and yeah, he's, the he's teacher already. Gave a he already plus,
1: and now he's giving himself. He already after. put it in. Like it's edited and it's. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. So now I, I get Justin Bandelon. I'm like Justin. You got to move the vote. Like I, I got to pocket in more, you know. And now like, the chorus is perfect. Course is near. The second verse. Right on the point. It's just the first verse, which is the first thing they hear when the credits come. It couldn't be the second verse, the <laughs> right, first right. verse. So I get him, I say, you've got to break it, you gotta move it, you gotta move it, you gotta move it, you gotta move it. So he moves it the best that he can. And it's still, for me, it's like mm, still not. But it kind of works because it's a rock tune, so it's like. Did he intentionally want to kind of bring it? like So it works. And Chris did a phenomenal job singing. But the chorus was just, now I call up William. I'm like, hey, buddy. He's like, what's up? I'm like, you submit everything on Amazon? He's like, yeah. Yeah, everything is good. I'm like, you think you could uh, pull the old song? <laughs> in. They all, they what they do, old do you mean? The hey, yeah, old like, He's like, what do you mean? I'm like. The vocals off, it, it, it doesn't fit, it, 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 I know it's just the anchor but I gotta, you know, he's like, all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. I'm like, I have the new one right here, I can send it to you right now, he's like, let me call the editors. he calls the editor, he's like, can you unlock in, uh, episode nine, and then refill it with this? The editor's like, is it for Tony? And he's like, yeah, he goes, tell him to send it to me, I'll unlock, and he unlocked it and he put the new one in. Oh, no. I was like, thank you, God. <laughs>
0: Oh, And we should explain you're a big R&B guy, old school R&B guy, which means you are a
1: in-the-pocket
0: machine. Oh, I live for the <laughs> I live
1: for, and it's funny because I'm, 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 I've been blessed to work with a lot of younger artists now. Mm-hmm. And the, that, that R&B style, thanks to Bruno Mars and, yeah. and um, Lizzo and that whole mm-hmm. kind of old school feel, Is really coming back and I love that type of music so it's not even like well it's old-school and it's because it's what I know no I I've I've written five country songs that were released by other artists like I can write any genre the one for Gravesend is a rock it's a metal tune but that's your love right but but R&B and funk is, is what is ingrained in me and it's what I love to do and thank God Younger kids are starting to love that sound. Like They, they really so cool. they want to do it. So I was, I'm was, i working with this new artist now. Well, she's not a new artist, but she's new for me. She's working with me. Noelle is amazing, and I worked with Hot Chalk. She was incredible, and I, I did an old-school vibe called Sexy Hot Chalk that I had uh, written with her, and we did it, and we got some great songs coming out with Noelle, and I love that. This generation wants to hear more complex music, you know, like real strings and 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 really beautiful chord structures. Not like, like auto tune, right? And, and like, it's like reverb. Well, I mean, look
0: and real player. And
1: again, I'm, I'm going to say it right to the camera. I have absolutely no problem with today's music. I don't, and I'm. And I'm not judging it, and I'm not saying, oh, well, my way... I'm not saying any of that. And that's the God's honest truth. I'm just saying I never like it when there's no room. Like, in other words, this is great, but give me some room on this end, too. Oh, I see. Like, be a little inclusive on... Don't make your music taste be, be so narrow that there's no room for anything other than this one sound, and that's it. Because we literally have country and we have hip hop. There's nothing else in between. Right. I mean, the two biggest genre genres are country and hip hop. Right. And I and I don't know where RB went. Because I it was a beautiful sound. It was it was it was soulful. It was it was great. And it 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 just went away. Yeah. And and all I'm saying is. I love hip-hop the way it is today, but I also love old-school hip-hop, and I love old-school R&B, and I believe that there is room for that, and I don't think that it's the people that are saying there's no room. It's the labels that are saying there's no room because it doesn't cost any money to grab a loop and do it and, and make, you know, they make money, but to get a real string section in or to get, you know, great players to come in and and these backgrounds and melody you know, it's expensive. It's yeah. not cheap. And it's work. Yeah. And they don't want they don't want to do that. Yeah. So you never get to hear that. There's not even a show. like I go to put my music up and they like, Is it folk? No. Is it hip hop? No. Is it well do you have retro? No. Do you have R and B? No. Do you have funk? No. So where am I gonna put it? Yeah. So I put it under alternative so that every, it goes to every alternative playlist and they go, we don't want it. We don't want it. You don't even give me a genre. I got to put it in other.
0: Other. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's frustrating.
1: That's incredibly frustrating. I feel it, man. So that's how the music got to be in in Great End and, you know, William, God bless him. He was like, Tony... I, I love the music. I love what you're doing. I just released "Lies," which is the closing credits of episode one, and that is a Stone '80s Miami Vice meets Rick Ashley. Super cool. Yeah, it's a great track. And Super cool. and anybody that's watching the podcast, if you like that '80s sound at all, get go go on Spotify. Just go on to Tony Luke Jr. And check out Lies, I think you really dig it. And mm-hmm. then we I put a call in to you yeah. for flippy flops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: It's, flippy flops. it's hilarious.
1: it's it's a novelty song. yeah so it no, should have been
0: Peoples was in that,
2: right? Well yeah. it was ironic because he was calling me and I had him on my list of people to call to invite him, him to eat at this restaurant. So oh, and, and all of a sudden I said hello to him and he was five minutes into the conversation because <laughs> he was you know asking me about you know trying to get uh, a comic that could
1: wrap for Flippy Box yeah, yeah it's so awesome man. okay cool let's hear about this and he was you know he was able to do it and you know I, I, I it's a great story so I'm on I, me and Marie get invited I'm sorry I'm not close because <laughs> I'm so loud I, I worry that I'm like, the same way and they, they keep yeah, i me like, super I'm, loud I'm, I'm yeah. very loud So, with flippy flops, so it was last summer, so Maria's sister invites us to go on a boat. And I'm like, all right, somewhere in Delaware. So, I never dress. Never. I don't go on boats, only because I don't own a boat. (laughs) And so, I got like workout gym shorts and sneakers And a t-shirt. So we pull up to this marina, and I'm like, "Uh, "There's no boats here." And she's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Those aren't boats; those are yachts." And I'm like, "I got sneakers on; I can't go on a yacht with sneakers." So she, when I said I need flip-flops, I need some kind of sandal, like I, or a boat shoe. So, I run to look for a place, and I pass a dollar store. Perfect. And I run in the dollar store, and I buy... Ten pairs. A pair of flip-flops. dollar. <laughs> <For> right? <laughs> I buy a pair of dollars store of flip-flops. And I walk on the boat, and the guy that owns the boat, I'd never met him before, he's like, how you doing? He's like, good. And I see him looking at me, and yeah. he goes, what's on your feet? And I go, flip-flops. He goes, where did you get them? I'm like, the dollar store. You know, like I don't care. I'm like I got him at the dollar store, and he's looking at my shore, You know, because everyone's dressed and you know nice. And we start to have a conversation. He goes, "Hey, Maria said you're a songwriter," and I'm like, yeah. "We tie it all in, yeah." And he goes, so "This outfit." And he goes, "Yeah," and he's he he uh, anchors, and he's about to jump in the water. So just before he jumps off the boat, he goes. You should write a song about those dollar do, dollar store flip-flops and he jumps in and the entire song goes through my head. Now I'm in the back of the boat and I'm, I'm in, and, and now they're like, where's Tony? Where's Tony? I'm like, shut up. They're like, what do you doing? I'm writing a song. I'm writing flippy flops. I'm writing the whole thing and I'm like, you know, I got my Walmart shorts and a tank top. I hit the dollar store oh my up. Gosh, I got I my think. flippy flops. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's where that came. that's where it all came from,
1: <laughs> you know. What I mean, this I'm is, on a boat. That's idiot. I'm <laughs> on a boat with my flippy flops Yeah, my flippy flops Yeah. So I, you know, and my new yacht friends. Yeah, <clears throat> and I, I, I write it like if you listen to the thing, it's like yeah. wine, wine coolers are flowing, champagne by the box. I got the Weber grill going and the coals are hot, cooking dollar dog franks. So I saw this, this, you know, this regular guy, this regular blue-collar working guy who goes on a boat that's not a yacht, and he's got the, you know, he's dressed like a blue-collar worker, you know? And he's out there, and he's having fun with wine coolers, and he's cook he's got a Weber grill, like a Weber grill on, the, on his <laughs> on boat, the, you know what I mean? Yacht. Well, no, like on well, his on boat. boat, yeah, I'm on sorry, his I'm boat, sorry. and I picture him pulling up to a dock where all these rich people are that are having this hoity-toity party On the dock and he's blasting the music and everyone's jamming and in my head I saw these rich people going what is that and then you know and they kind of go from the ritzy party with the champagne to go drinking wine coolers and I wanted to do a song and a video that kind of said we're not different we may not have the same money and we may dress different but fun is fun and because like, everything I write I, I try to let people understand that the only differences we have are the differences that we put on ourselves Right. so I wanted to write a song that was like and show a video where like here's all these well to do people on this boat eating dollar dog francs and all the brats you know what I mean and I wanted to do this flip flop dance and I went home that night now I have the lyrics and I know what I wanted to do, but I'm like, well, how do I want it to sound musically? And all I heard in my head was the B-52s. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I heard. Perfect. And it started out really sounding like the B-52s. And then as it developed, it started to sound a little less like the B-52s and more to what it was now. But B-52 was kind of yeah. the inspiration. And then I played everything and I got it down. I let people hear. It. And they're like, oh my God, that's so catchy. But I'm like, it's the, the end of the summer. I can't release right, a summer song right. again. So I had to wait a whole year and then rush to get it out there. And it's been out since May, I think. Yeah. And it's just starting to get traction. Like I was just at a party and someone came out to me and they're like, dude, are you Tony Luke? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like... Did you do flippy flops? And I'm like, Yeah, it was Oh man, I was at a party, we played that song like five times. Yeah, awesome. I love that song. You know, so <laughs> I don't think it's really gonna catch on this summer. I think that it's gonna just keep building and I think next summer, if we do a video for it, I think it's is when it, it'll really start to it'll start to take off. But you know, you put it out there and you do the best you can and you see where it goes. But the response has been ridiculous everyone that has heard it has said it's so catchy problem is it doesn't fit algorithm wise to any popular playlist because it's not it 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 it's not a genre track it's not it's an a, other. it's another. <laughs> it's a novelty feel good song that you listen to and you smile and again I wanted to write something with all the trouble there is today I wanted to write a song where you didn't have to think, okay. where it was just, hey man, this song makes me feel good, I have a great time, and, um, and, and I just, it just feels nice. Okay.
2: Okay. What I was going to say, feel good, um, when you were on the set of Gravesend, I love, you're, you're, sending, you're sending me pictures of him and Vic DiBitato. Oh,
1: it's like, uh, Vic's my Vic's, boy. But dude, it's too? hard to yeah. fathom, no, no,
2: it's, awesome. it's hard to fathom, it's it's hard my my no, You have to like pinch yourself. You're like, I'm also getting paid to do this. Like, you guys are all hanging out.
1: Where were you filming? We filmed in Miami and New York. Oh, okay, right on. And Vic is one of the nicest, he's just an amazing human being. Me and Vic hit it off literally immediately. Oh, you didn't know each other yet? I did not know. Okay, right on. So we met on set and we just immediately hit it off. You know, and, and, you know, with me, I've been privileged to work with a lot of really good actors Mm -hmm. comics and I have everyone's number but I never like someone asked me once how do you stay friends with a lot of these A-list actors and, and comics and how does it happen and I go because I have never ever asked anyone for a favor like if I like you, I like you I don't care what you can or cannot do for me. And i in fact, a really, this is a really cool story, too. That's why he's here. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is a, this is something you'll get a kick out of. So they're making the Gotti movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know who Michael Rispoli is.
0: Uh, I totally know that name. Why? Yeah, Michael
1: Rispoli was the original boss in The Sopranos. He had got cancer in the show and died. Yes. But he's also an invincible... And he was in a million. Tony totally got in the, the strippers when he was dying yeah, of yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So he's a great actor. He's a he. You know, he's done so many. And he was grandma in um, in um, oh god the, the movie with Matt Damon poker movie. Oh, he rounders. rounders yeah. One of my favorite films. I said a senior moment. I apologize <laughs> uh, that oh, I didn't oh, remember did that. in <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a senior moment. So, you know, he was in Rounders, and we met, and we became incredibly good friends, like really, really good friends. he came down to Philly, I would have to be like, we just, we hung out. So he calls me, and he goes, hey, man, so what role are you playing in Gotti? And I'm like, I'm not playing any role in Gotti. He's like, didn't Leo write the script? Yeah. Aren't you friends with John? Yeah. But how are you not in the film? I'm like, Michael, how long have we been friends? And he's, well, I go, can you tell me when I ever called you and said, hey, Michael, I heard you're doing a new film. Is there a role for me? Well, that's different. These are friends. We're friends. These are friends of yours. Like, these are close friends. I don't, Michael, I don't do it. I don't call in favors. And I don't ever put my friends in a position to have to make a phone call for me. I don't do it. All right. Okay. All right. He hangs on. Well, that that's funny. You said you don't
2: get into politics or like right, left, middle. No, but, at all. But you're not even playing politics
1: with your friends. Either. No, I don't. <laughs> like, but that's why. But that's why they're but my. But it is a straight line. Me, yeah. That's why. See. That's why they're my friends. So Love it. About an hour. <laughs> an hour goes by. Ring, 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 ring. My phone. Hello. Mm. Forgive me. I don't remember this either. I'm just going to make some up. So it's like, Tony Luke Jr. There. I'm like, yeah. Hi, this is so and so from casting. Uh, can I help you? Yeah, can you be in New York tomorrow to read for a role in Gotti? And I go, and I go, how did you get my number? And who sent you? Michael <laughs> Respoli called us. Oh, God. Yeah. And the guy won't shut up about it. <laughs> no, no, it was so cool. Like and then Michael literally called. Is like you need to call Tony Lu Jr. up and and audition him. So I that is cool. That's incredible. You know, so I wind up getting the a really good role in the film, and then the producer and myself had a difference of opinion in um, traveling, and you know, basically he was like. I'm just gonna hire locally because it was shot in uh, Cincinnati. Oh. And he's like, "So if you want to pay your way out, no. And then you want to come, like, no. And then what do you pay me? Well, we'll pay you. No, know, we'll pay you scale as a, you know, as a day player. I'm not, like, no. Pay your way and take scale there. go. Yeah, nice, nice like, you know, like, no, I invitation. No, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But now I know everyone in the film. So I go, all right. Well, I'm not in the film now because I, you know, turned the role down. So I I travel to Cincinnati. I get a hotel room. John's there. All my friends are there. And I had never met John Travolta prior to that. And I was always a big Travolta fan. And um, I got to know a bunch of people on the set. And it was really, really good. And there was a scene that was cut from the film. And... John wasn't happy with the scene that was cut. Not John Travolta, the, the other John. And John said, "No, I want, I want that scene. In the film, it's important. He wanted it. Yeah, it's important. Okay. He said it's, it's an important scene that really shows the way my father thought, his thinking at at the time. Mm-hmm. And so the producer goes, Oh, I, I got to camp. Like, I don't, you know. And uh, where am I going to get? Like, we're going to shoot this thing tomorrow.'" And he's like, "Well, Tony Luke's here." <laughs> so Every time I'm out, they pull me back. <laughs> so he goes, Tony Luke is here, so and it shows how karma works. <laughs> so, so, I paid my own so, hotel. So, so John goes, "Hey man, I really want the scene in. Now it's one scene, it's one scene. It's in the parking lot. I remember. It's in the parking lot. Yeah, it's one scene. So, so the producer goes, Tony." what's do it and I'm like yeah no I don't want to no like no I mean I just, I just didn't like the way I was treated mm-hmm. and I'm like I'll do this scene I'll do it because of my relationship with John mm-hmm. but not for any other reason so he goes okay so John goes so John goes so what are you paying? And she goes. Well, you know, I'm paying him for the day as a day player. <sighs> I don't think I want to work for that. He's like, well, he's only working one day. He's like, anything he's gonna. She could compensate for the week. He's like, a week. He's like, yeah. And he's like, all right. And He goes. Then he did pay to come out here, and he does have a hotel room. So, and then he wind up paying. My hotel room, my track. Look, you got and, more than Travolta. Hey yeah, guys, no, no, I, mean, I got more than I would have gotten. You know, I would have gotten first time around. The first time around, wow. and it was great working with John. And then it came time to this promote is Scotty Junior,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it was great working with Travolta. And unfortunately, you know, we we were drawn drawn close to each other for the worst possible reason. So, you know, John lost his son. And I lost my son. And it's a club that no one wants to be in. But there's a connection between a parent who's lost a child and another parent who's lost a child. And he was amazing. Then when he came to Philly, I did the tour with him to promote it. We had dinner together and we sat there and me, him, Kelly, the girlfriend Maria and John was just amazing and you know, he'd send me this beautiful gift and even now he's just he's a beautiful soul. He's a beautiful you know and it was like okay well there was a reason that I needed to be there. You know and then when the movie comes out you're going to love this too. Let's, let's go even deeper. I'm, I mean I'm really giving you behind the scenes shit. We have nowhere to be. So I <laughs> so I do the scene, right? We do it. Well, the producer didn't want to do it. So the scene gets cut. Oh. And it winds up on the floor. So when they release it in Europe, there's no Tony oh, Luke Jr. Yeah. Huh. Scene's not there. Oh. It goes from one to another. So Leo goes out to the premiere in Cannes. Can. Con, however you say it. And I go, how was it? He's like, it was good, you know. I'm like, the scene come off good? He's like, um, he didn't make the cut. They cut you out. I'm like, oh, really? Like, yeah, they cut you. So now, they something happens. They have to bring another producer on board. Uh-oh. Producer comes on board. And they, the producer says, "Look, we need to, you know, we need to re-edit. Just let me see what." And he's like, "Okay." And he's, going, "Now here's the reason they caught me. It was actually a good reason. So I'm nowhere else in the film. So I disappear. So there's no continuity. It's like, who is he? Why there's no is
0: context he? For your right. PR. There's
1: no context. Yeah. Right. Sorry. I, right. It's not continuity. It's context. There's no context of me." being in the show and so I get it it wasn't like a spiteful cut it was like who is he where did he come from there's no context so this new producer comes on and he's looking and he's going through everything and he goes what what cut from there to there and he goes oh there was a scene with with um, this actor you know Tony Luke Jr and he goes Tony Tony's in this film (laughs) And it's a producer I worked with before who's a friend of mine. He's like, why did he get caught? And he's like, bring up the scene. bring up." So now he's in the editor. He's like, well, there he is, but there's no context for him to be in the scene. Figure it out. You ain't caught. Him.
2: Dude, have you told any of these stories to Kevin Bacon?
1: Cause it's not six degrees of Kevin. It's six degrees of. <laughs> so my God. So so now they're trying to... now. These like he's the producers like, you make it happen. So what they did was they took a picture of the real guy, that hid his face when they arrested him because that was the whole thing, and they put him up because in the photo in the real in the real newspaper. He's got a, a a jacket covering his oh, face, yeah. so he's just heavy. Yeah, and I'm heavy. <laughs> so and it, and it would
0: have flown anyway when they did that movie because they were floating back between the real Gotti and Trappola all the time too. So, so no matter what.
1: So you see it go. So and so, a soldier of the of the Gambino family gets arrested and blah, And then it's me and what? him being mad that I hid my face, and that was it. So if the new producer doesn't come in. Wow. If my buddy Eddie, Eddie, if he doesn't come in,
2: <laughs> I keep his mouth shut. I'm not in it.
1: But now, if you go like on a Cody or one of the illegal, and the the European one comes up, you don't see me. Wow! But in the United States version, well, I saw you, so I definitely saw yeah, the American edit. <laughs> when you see the United States version, you know, I... the Eddie edit, we'll call it. A, That's a, awesome. Yeah, and what it was, a cool story. Yeah, and I never asked anything from. Eddie too, but I, I met Eddie doing Wise Gals a, in Canada, and I, um, dude, if you had a ten-hour show, I can tell you stories. That, so it's me on set with James, um, uh, James Con, and uh, Melissa Milano, and uh, Jason Getrick, and we're all hanging around, and we're all talking, and I don't have, I don't, I'm not in the movie. I'm friends with all of the other actors, so I'm like, yeah, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to drive down to Canada and hang out. So we, we we're out, we're hanging out, and we're all telling stories. And I had a run in with uh, James Kahn 25 30 years ago. So everyone knows the story except Jimmy. So we're all sitting down, we're all talking, and so you know, Leo's like, tell Jimmy the story. <laughs> tell tell him the story when Jimmy tried to have you. Home this story, and I'm like, I'm not bringing that up. That was I was, you know, 17 years old. I'm like, he doesn't remember who I am. He doesn't know who I am. My name wasn't Tony Luke back then either, Junior. It was Tony Lucidonio. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not. Come on, he'll think it's funny. No, he won't think that it's funny. And I'm like, I'm not bringing up the story at all. So we're talking. So. I'm not going to tell the story, right? So, Leo's pissed. <laughs> and James Kahn goes, um, Hey, man. Um, um, I'm having a senior moment again. Um, the talk show. It was Kathy...
0: Oh, oh uh, Regis. Regis.
1: God, I'm having such a...
0: We got you, bro. Forgive me.
1: I'm 61 <laughs> years old. So.
2: But by the way, that's the 99th name that you mentioned, so I get it. Yeah, me. it's okay, yeah. So, Leo's so great so far. Yeah. Yeah, really. Leo
1: says to me, Jesse, edit. <laughs> Teddy. So, Jimmy goes, let's go see Regis. He's playing in in the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Mm. He's got a show. Leo's like, oh, I'm good friends with um, Regis, and, you know, we'll go. So, it's, it's me... Jason Gettrick, Jimmy, James Kahn, and Leo Rossi. So we're gonna go, we're gonna drive to Niagara Falls. We're from, in Niagara to, from Toronto, <laughs> Toronto, <laughs> wow. and we're you know, we're we're going. So James has got to go. He's gotta take a flight out in the morning, he can't come. So it's me, Leo, and Jason Gettrick. So we go, so now Leo says to me, This is one of my favorite times. I'm gonna be honest. I, I love it. It made me feel really good. It's cool. So Leo says to me, after the show, we're going to go backstage. Don't go up to reach us. I will introduce you. I will go first, and I will introduce you, and that's where we'll do it. Don't just, and I'm like, well, Leo, you know me. I don't, I sit in the background. I don't say anything. You know, I'm not that guy He goes, hey, man, hi, I'm Tony. I don't, I don't do that. Regis, is it? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so it's Regis during the show mentions that Jason's there and Leo's there and everything. So we go backstage and there's uh, Regis and he's shaking hands with people and it's all backstage. So Leo goes, let me
0: go. I'm like, Leo, yeah. I know,
1: I know Regis for a year. I'm like, all right. So he goes up and he, he Regis said, Leo! And he hugs Leo, Jason! You know, he hugs Jason and Leo goes, I want to introduce you a friend of mine. He goes, This is he goes, Tony Luke Jr. Oh hey, hey. my god, strike me up, dead. All right. And he goes, he goes, Tony, and literally, picture Regis the way he talked. Yeah. And Leo said, You know Tony? He goes, who don't know Tony Luke? Literally. He's like, Tony, all our all our chefs are dying. Like, what is it, mean? He goes, Tony, will you go to dinner with us tonight? So I'm like, okay. So now, I'm not a chef. I'm a cook. I'm not a chef. So we go to this five-star restaurant, and everyone's there, except Jimmy. But it's Regis and Eddie, the producer, is there. Like, I had never met him before. So Eddie's there, and Eddie's family invented cable. Jesus. So... (laughs) So, of course we did. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, let's not glaze over. So <laughs> okay.
0: So we, <laughs> Was the guy that electricity right beside yeah,
1: <laughs> So we start talking, and next thing yeah. I know, out walks this chef with this hat with medals, like it's a and he's like Tony Luke Jr. I'm like hi, and he goes Reed just told us you were here, and I'm like okay. Is that why you put your medals on? Right, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like all right, and he goes. Would readers would like to know, and I would like to know, would you do the honor of doing dinner tonight and what? leading my team? Well, I feel like you're, so. this, uh, this is the movie. So you're now, right. thank God, I'm a street guy. So now my mind is racing. Like, get out of this, get out of this, get out of this, get out of this. Out of this. <laughs> so now I walk into his kitchen and all the chefs are lined up like soldiers. Oh like my now God. Like I'm talking five star, like they're all pressed. And he goes, Mike, and I go, chef. I think it would be the greatest insult for me to come in your kitchen as the honor that you have given me is amazing, but what I would really like if you would truly honor me, if you would do dinner for me, that would be unbelievable. Tony, I will do that for you. And now I go, I do So now I get back to the table. So he brings me back to the table. I'm sitting down, and Regis goes, so what are you going to cook first, Tony? And I'm like, Regis, it's in, it's it, it, it's his kitchen. I said, he really should. All right, all right. He goes, I will, right, well, Tony, you tell him, come up with the menu you wanted to make. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't win. It's like I go from one hole to another hole. I'm jumping from frying pan to frying pan. And I go, I, Regis, it would be such an insult. I would like you to bring out whatever you feel would be most appropriate, and I get out of it. And I'm sitting there, and Regis is talking, and his wife is there, and everything is great. And then I start talking to Eddie, and I'm like, "Hey man, how do you doing?" He's like, "How do you know Regis?" Well, you know, and they, we're friends, and I produce films, and I'm like, "Oh, that's amazing." And he goes, "Tony, how'd you get here?" And I was like, "I drove." And he's like, "Why?" I'm like. Well, I'm not a big fan of flying. I don't lie. He's like, why? Do you fly commercial? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, not anymore. He's like, here's my car. Now watch. Because people don't realize. Like, he's, he's a wonderful man. I love Hedy. He's got a heart of gold. He would give you, really, anything you want. He would, he's, he's the greatest guy you ever want to meet. But I think sometimes when you're at that level... You don't quite grasp reality. What, no, not reality, what it's like to be at this level. Yeah, 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 So he goes, from now on, here's my card. You got, whenever you need to fly anywhere, just call that number and you can use my jet. <laughs> Anytime you want to go anywhere. And I'm wow. thinking, well, this is great. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I don't want anything. Just pay for the fuel and the pilot and the flight attendant. And I'm like, fuel is, if I remember correctly, it's $2,500 you know every hour of the flight because he has a G4 I think he had it at the time. And then the, I'm thinking it's $15,000 to take the private plane. And that's, not, and that's him basically saying I got to you know, a $400 million plane, and when to give it to you, Right. just pay for the gas. Right. All you gotta do is come up with 15 grand for the flight. Right. Car. I mean, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like. how far on the old Volkswagen. No, and, and it was incredibly generous. It was incredibly in him.
0: sweet and incredibly out of touch at the same time. <laughs> but yeah,
1: So it's like, I don't got, I can't afford 500. To take a right. Commercial you, flight. You would have
0: been flying first class already if you That's 15,000 one way. All right, <laughs> oh, easy, man. Yeah,
1: man. yeah, it's one way. Now you gotta get back. But he was awesome and we kept That's in so touch wow, and wow. when he got the Gotti film, he was like, What do you mean, Tony you cut No you didn't. Put him back, you know, put him back. So you never know where, you know, where it's 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 gonna go. Like you just you, you don't know.
0: It's incredible, man, the relationship you build and-,
1: and then when I did this song with Kevin Bacon, you know, and I so I'm like, Can I say I'm you know, one degree from Kevin? And Kevin's like, No. <laughs> it's acting, not singing. And he's like, where are you, Tony? Literally, I'm like, I'm um, two degrees from you. I'm like, I'm literally two degrees from you. I'd be one if I acted with you, which I didn't. But there, I've been with five actors that have co-starred with you that I've worked with. So that's how you know where your degree is. Mm-hmm. How, how many degrees? So I'm two. That's true. But I, I, th- film, I didn't know that. Yeah, it has to be acting.
2: Oh, one degree is acting. That's it.
1: One degree is you work with him in a scene.
2: project,
0: yes.
1: Two degrees from Kevin Bacon is you work with someone who worked with him. Three degrees is you work with someone who worked Worked with with someone who worked with him. (laughs) And then it goes down and down and down. So so eventually, (laughs) everyone who's acting will have hit sixth degree. Right, right, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean... Because he's, he's done so many... So many yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And spanned so much time. Yeah, yeah, so many things he's done. I'm like, <laughs> but we did a show together, and we, you know, I sang on your your new single, and... A lot of people don't realize he's originally from
2: Philadelphia.
1: Oh, yeah, his father. You literally could say his father was the architect of Philadelphia. Like right. the Philadelphia landscape was his dad. Like that Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Edward Bacon? Yeah, I had no idea. Google him. I will Google Bacon tonight. He was the father of architecture in this city like I mean his father was was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. All the buildings you see, like that's all yeah, his dad. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. And the Baker brothers are it's I don't it's man talk about a busy dude, I mean you know.
1: <laughs> and does Kevin is incredibly talented musically, plays guitar, yeah. he writes well, the real deal, yeah. Michael is a sick musician. I mean, cello player, like a ranger. Well, he's right? a, he, it's his life, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and look and, and let me tell you something. Kevin, I, I think Kevin is of the same mi- mindset of, of that I am. It's like if you ask Kevin, Kevin will tell you he's a musician. Oh, that's cool. He's an actor, but he's a musician. He won't say I'm an actor who does music on the side as a hobby. He's a serious musician.
0: Yeah. Well, it shows the way they do their thing. You because know, they're out touring real venues and playing real festivals and all that stuff. They're not doing like little publicity shots here and little. You know, I'm gonna we're gonna pop in on this TV appearance tonight because it'll make a it'll this of the public. We're serious musicians. We're here doing the grind when we're doing it. You know. Yeah, I mean all that's what right. and that's
1: what how SMN Records started, mm. and the Sound My Network, which is a nonprofit mm. that you know we give money to organizations that use music and art as therapy. For people that are struggling with mental health, trauma, and addiction. So we started SMN Records with uh, Joe Niccolo, who is a legend. The Butcher. Yeah, The Butcher. You know, nine Grammys. That and, dude's a, that dude and is. And 150 dude. platinum. He's not know. throwing around
0: the word legend. This dude is the deal. He big, truly real is a legend. Deal.
1: And to be able to work with him and Again, I know we're going long. You might have to do it three parts here, but I, I like to tell these little inside stories. Oh, this is great, man. So, Roll it. So now I worked with Joe in the eighties. Oh wow! As a writer, and I did a ton—you know, a lot of stuff. So then my son passes, and I want to—I want to make the music count now. I don't want to write a hit record. I want to write records that help change people's lives. So I get a hold of Joe, I don't have his number, but he's on Facebook, so I message him, and they go, hey, it's Tony Luke Jr., Um, Joe, I would love to talk to you, you can call me, here's my cell, I'd like to work on some music, and I wrote this new track, I want to send it to you, you know, tell me what you think, if there's something there that we can, so he messages me back. Um, hey Tony hey uh, yeah. uh, it's good to hear from you um, yes yeah, send me the track and you know uh, I'll give you a call so he calls me back before he listens to the track and he goes listen I I, 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 I can't not be me I'm like okay you can't be you alright what does that mean and he's like you know I know what you went through you know with your son and all and you know I appreciate it but I'm, I'm really afraid to listen to the song and I'm like why and he's like because everyone says they're a songwriter but not everyone's a songwriter and I'm thinking I worked with you for years Yeah. You know I'm a songwriter. Have you not talked to him since the 80s? Right. Okay, yeah. okay. So I'm like, all right. I mean, I how do you not? So he's like, let me listen to it as long as you're okay with me being brutally honest. I'm like, yeah. You'd want that anyway. So right. So he calls me back and he goes, love this song. Definitely want to work with you. Let's get together. So I go to a studio. And I'm like, hey, man, Joe, how you doing? And he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, and I am hugging him. And he's nice, but he's but he's not, you know, overly, you know, like hey, you feel something. Yeah, like Just it's like, all down right, down. okay. Right. And we start recording the song, and I'm like, all right, yeah, do this and do that. And I'm looking at him go, and he's staring at me, and I'm like, why is he staring at me like that? Like in my head, am I doing something wrong? I'm walking to the guy, no, I want you to do the vocal. And we're in the middle of cutting the vocal, and he goes, Oh my god. I'm like, what is he, he goes? you're Tony Lucidonio. And I'm like, yeah,
0: Joe. He's like, I had no
1: idea. I didn't put Tony Luke with Lucidonio. And I'm saying, I don't know if you could write music. And I'm like, well, I got kind of offended. Because I'm like, well, maybe I sucked in the 80s. And you didn't want to tell me. You did not to bullshit me all
0: those
1: years You know what I mean? And the leader's like, oh my God, I just realized who you are. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. And then we... He was like, let's make a difference, Tom. Let's do this. And I'm like, okay. Then we brought Joseph Giacomo in, and then John Moser you know, and his team in. And we had a lot of other great people. You know, Jill came in, and all these other people were were helping us, you know, kind of get started with the foundation. And, and it, it, it just kept developing more and more. And it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a little thing with Joe. So Joe has a, a really great sense of humor that some people don't get. I always got his sense of humor. I always knew what the joke was. Like, I just, I did. And he always- but that's probably
2: why you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on.
1: Yeah, because he's kind of, <laughs> he's not standoffish, but he's not like Tony. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah I he go. Like if I'm, if 20 years went by and you're like, hey, it's Joel, I'm like, yeah, hey man, nice to see you. You're like, you don't remember? Like, yeah, yeah. But it was a different name and I was skinny as a reel back then. And oh, now I'm, you know, 400 pounds at the time, right, right. so I'm like, you know, and I'm bald. Right, right. I don't look anything like I did <laughs> in the '80s. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, <Not> buddy. <laughs> you know, you know what
1: I mean? So, I mean, I get it. And, it. and he says to me, he goes, um... "So I do, I do the album." And he goes, uh, "I go, what do you think?" Is Tony? I love it. I love it. He goes, "But." Um, I'm like, what is it? He goes, "Um, you know, there's artists. (laughs) And then, you know, there's song stylists. Then there's, you know, performers. And then there's singers. I'm like, okay. He goes, you're a song stylist. And I'm like, did you just say I can't fucking say? I can't... I can't... no, 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 no. I'm saying you're a song stylist. Stylist. You know, Sinatra was a song stylist. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. He's like, no, no, no. And then I did. I I had written a track called I Am You. And I, I play for Joe.
2: Yeah.
1: And to this day, it is hands down the greatest compliment he has ever given that anyone has ever given to me. So I you haven't heard I haven't played the track. Okay. I played the track for Joe and he listens and he goes, play it again. And I played it again. And he said, if you didn't tell me that you wrote that song, if someone said, who wrote this? I would, without hesitation, say, "That's easy." John Lennon wrote that. Jesus. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's as good as it gets, right there, brother. And he was like, "I can, There's no other compliment I can ever give you than to tell you that if I didn't know that you wrote that track, and someone said it was, it would be John Lennon. And then I did a vocal on a track, and I really pushed. I, I literally prayed to God because. The, I wanted to do the vocal but it wasn't in my range and I had to hit notes and I did the vocal and we got done and I said did you get it And he said I got it and I walked in he said have a seat my singer friend and then I said did you just call me singer and he went no you know what that's wrong you're you are an an artist he said and I said, Well, is that good? He says, you know, singers can sing people, but an artist is someone that can write and sing and bring it. It's that whole list the whole one, right. You know, and it's the best compliment you could and, and because I love like I love Joe. And to me, the sun rises and sets with as far as producing goes and mixing goes. And you know, when we sit in that studio, when he the first time he said to me, Hey, come in. We're gonna mix this, and I want your ear here. I sure. didn't even know what to, you know, what to more. say. That's like George Carlin saying, "Hey, help me with this joke," <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it was like, and all I did was watch him, you know. I had, you know, I just said, "Well, oh, I, I think that maybe that might be." And he's like, "All right, let's try." And he said, "No, that works, Tom." But I just sat back and just was in awe of his ear, you know. It's just, it's amazing at what he does, and he just makes it look so easy and that's my point like you know if you go on my spotify right now one more night you know it has almost sixty thousand streams not 60 million it has 60 58,000 50 whatever it is you know but just knowing that joe can look at me and go yeah i, I i'll work i want to work with you i want to you know it has to you, you know it has to be enough you, it just maybe that'll never happen. Maybe I'll be dead and the music will surface again and people will hear it. but it's already leaving a massive impact this in that 60 grand man we tell you because I,
0: I listen to that so this is a, this is an impactful song. it is I mean I was weeping listening to this song okay and I don't sit around my house weeping okay
1: <laughs> And I mean it is stunning. It is absolutely stunning check it out. Well we got some new stuff coming and you definitely gotta check it out. And it we're at soundmindnetwork.org, org and SMN records is the label. You know, we have a GoFundMe up. We don't we don't take anything. I don't take anything. You know, if if you know anyone who suffers from mental health, the GoFundMe trauma, is on the same name? It, the is on the website, soundmindnetwork.org. And um you know, a lot of people say they want, to, they want to help when it comes to mental health, and everyone's been affected by that. Suicide, addiction, trauma. But for some reason, there's still a stigma attached to it, and people are hesitant to want to give. And I'm telling you that mental health is not a weakness. People that are suffer severe trauma are not weak people. And I am telling you, addiction is not a choice. Addiction is the byproduct of mental health and trauma, people are self-medicating a pain that they cannot handle. And take it from me, when my son died, I had two other children, I had people in my life that loved me, and all I wanted to do was die. All I wanted was the pain to stop. You're not selfish. You're not. You just want the pain to stop because it is a pain that is overbearing. And people that are dealing with mental health and and trauma. They are medicating that pain because sometimes the pain is so much that they can't face it. And until they can find an outlet to express that pain, to go through the pain and not around the pain, they're going to be dealing with that. And music... Music goes where medicine never will be able to go. Ever. Absolutely. And you could change someone's life by just giving them an outlet for their pain in music, in art. It's the best money I promise you you'll ever spend because I don't care who you are, somewhere, someway, someday, you will be touched by one of those three things. So wouldn't it be great if there was a way that someone you loved was touched by that? that you knew there was some place that they can go to really be helped to get through that that issue. So please help support us, SoundMindNetwork.org, and whatever you guys can do. And please stream the music, go on my Spotify, be a follower, because we need the algorithm to come up. The money that's made from that goes to them. It goes to the foundation. And you'd be surprised. You may even like it. It's, and you'll, you'll find the really great music once you go there. Well, really we want to great. do something,
2: uh, one even better. Uh, Alan hit me under the table while you were talking. We were having dinner before the show. Uh, you know, our Thursday question. night fundraisers, we raised $18,000 one year. Oh, my gosh. Before During the pandemic, uh, we want to pick a date, uh, and we want to uh, have your foundation as one of the uh, Thursday night
1: comedy shows. So you want me to cry on at- <laughs> Right? So I feel like it's one of those things. What was that movie? It was like, You want me to cry, I'm not gonna cry. I'm <laughs> not gonna cry. You want me to cry? And then he cries like that. Remember that movie? It was a, a sports movie. Yeah, totally. You want me to cry? You're not gonna do it. Thank you. You have no idea how much that that means to me. You have no idea how much
0: This fires me up, brother. This is, uh, you know, I mean i music is my life, and you know, and Joel's made, made uh, giving me a little outlet while I'm on the down and out in my music career. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing, but uh, but this I'm going to get involved in this anyway.
1: Joel will let me. And he's a, I would do anything for you, and you know that he has been a friend. He is. He's gone out of his way. I can't tell you how many times. To you, always made me feel welcome. You, you never when you know when I was working with Craig and opening up for him. You never made me feel like what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You he didn't pay you you like everything I have a relationship He's with talking about Craig Shoemaker, by the way. Yeah, Craig Shoemaker. I mean, I'm friends with Anthony Rodia because of you. Oh. I met him through you. Oh, that's crazy. You know, I and mean, he was just at the premiere. Yeah. You know, he was just there at the premiere. It was it was great to see him. He's another good, good man. And it's like you have always been incredible. You have yeah, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, and that's the gods on it. If it's in my power to do it, I'm doing it. Amazing. I think that show just yeah.
0: wrapped itself right right on, brother. Right that's perfect. That's perfect. Tony Little so Jr.,
2: though. Alan Hill, Soul Joel. Thank you guys so much. These two guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know?